<laughs> just press record and uh, we'll figure it out. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. Mm, where do I start? I specifically remember when I got off the plane thinking that the only way that I'd be getting around Japan was either on foot or by the subway. And I didn't mind the subway because the subway was hella efficient. But I was not prepared to walk. I'm going to tell you that right now. I got off the plane with my Hardens, Spider-Man Vans, Chuck Taylors, and Yeezys. And if you thought for one moment I'd be walking around Japan all summer with the Yeezys on, (laughs) you were highly mistaken. But I knew for a fact that, yo, there had to be some other type of way of getting around that'd be more convenient. And as I began to immerse myself in my community there, in Higashi Osaka, I noticed that there was a subculture of people that did something that I was inspired by. They biked every single day, everywhere they went. They got up in the morning, understanding that no matter what they did throughout the day, they had to have enough energy to get their ass back home on that bike. (laughs) And I admired it. I just had so much anxiety around getting a bike because I didn't understand how traffic worked at the moment. Everything was opposite of how it worked in East Texas and in Houston, Texas, where we're located right now. And I just didn't understand how I would go about figuring out how to get a bike or any of that nature. But I would soon find out it was easier than I thought it would be. And biking had always been a part of my life since I was a young buck. I even tried to do some BMX tricks on homemade ramps with my friends back in the day in the neighborhood. And they'll attest to me almost uh, damn near ending my life and not making it to this podcast today. (laughs) Trying to do some of those daredevil stunts that I did. But I always appreciated the art of being able to jump on the bike and just be able to get away and just go somewhere. I'm from East Texas. And if you don't know anything about East Texas, we got a lot of back roads and a lot of piney woods. I loved going back roading with my friends, being able to just listen to music and shuffle, whether we were on our bikes, in cars, trucks, four wheelers, whatever it was, just getting away, getting up under the stars and being stars is what we appreciated the most. And being in a whole new country and having a, almost like a piece of home with me uh, was something I was longing for. And I didn't realize that's what I would find in a bike. I just had so much anxiety around it because, like I said, I didn't know much of the traffic laws. But I decided to start reading up. I remember the day that I got a bike. It was cool because we went to the shop. The person that was locally selling them was pretty chill, dude. He spoke a little English. And the person I was with was like, yo, we're going to get you this bike. And it was like a little rusty looking bike, a little pre-owned thing on the side. And even the salesman was like, yo, y'all want this one? I'm going to give you a discount. He gave us <laughs> he was almost like a $10 discount for that bike. because <laughs> He's like, yo, yeah, it's, it's kind of old. And I was like, all right, hey, if you want me to have this one, hey, if you're going to buy me the bike, then cool. I'm not ungrateful. I'm not an ungrateful person. So I get the bike and I do a little work on it. Uh, Since it was pre-owned, I did have to scrape off a little bit of the insurance information from the past owner. Had to clean up the chain a little bit. Had to fix it up, make sure the seat was comfortable and do a little work to make sure my bike was presentable. But once I got my bike up and running, you couldn't tell me nothing. I spent a little time making sure that um, my, my wheels were on point as well. And I actually got myself into a routine of biking on a daily basis, not just for place I need to go, but for exercise as well. So it was cool. Getting on the bike was great, but I had yet to take that trip to Tenochtitlan Temple. I had stayed around my neighborhood for quite some time, but I'm like, yo, you know what? I need to actually map out a trip to do what I said I was going to do when I first got my bike. I need to go to Tenochtitlan Temple. 
I remember waking up that morning that I went to Noji Temple like, you know what? I'm about to leave right now. It was like 4 a.m. <laughs> it was dark. It was hella dark. But I was ready to go. I, I was excited. Uh, it would be about a two-hour bike ride, which I wasn't tripping about because I knew that once I get there in the morning, I'd probably be there all day. Most of the time, that's what I would do when I go places. My time was my own out there to do what I need to do and support the person I was with. So when I wasn't supporting them, I was out and about exploring what I needed to explore for my spirit. And I was like, yo, it's 4 a.m. I'm going to skip the walk and the bike to work today with, with this person. And I am about to go to the temple. But I specifically remember when I got my bike, there were three things that the dealer told us. He told us, number one, you must always keep your bike key with you at all times. And that's a no-brainer. You can't even use your bike without the bike key. Number two, keep your insurance on you. And I made sure to always keep my insurance in my bag. And number three, lock your bike and make sure you're always aware of bike thieves. And bike thieves are very, very prevalent out there. Bikes are a really, really convenient form of transportation. So if you don't lock your bike up to a very, very secure place, you're liable to come back and see yours missing. Told y'all, the person I was with got a bike before me. Well, that bike got stolen because they didn't do the proper things to make sure that bike was locked up. <laughs> they ended up getting a really nice bike later on. But I was like, yo, I know this is to be true. They be jacking out here. Even though they're nice people, they be jacking. They be jacking for bikes. <laughs> so I I thought about it for a moment because he also put a little sub note on there. He said that most of the people that steal are darker than the locals and i appreciated that tip because um i'm not gonna be out here being profiled as somebody i'm not so i decided hey you know what it might be a little too dark outside for a brother to be biking (laughs) so i waited and made sure that i took that person to work first and then i set out on my trip to denoji temple it's a two-hour bike ride So I decided, yo, that I'm going to throw on some tunes. And that's usually what I would do when I was in Japan. If you go to my Instagram and watch the first trip I took to Tenoji Temple, you'll see that I had a speaker on me. And I definitely would play that speaker, not in constricted areas like subways and elevators and restaurants. But if I was walking down the street, you might have heard some lo-fi or some hip-hop playing. If I was biking, you might have heard some hip-hop playing. You might have heard some lo-fi. But that was just so I could have background music in a way to just feel like there was a piece of home for me in Japan. And even then, there was some sentimental value to some of the songs I was playing because I always had this thing while I was out there to play songs that I played back when I was a young kid or in my hometown. It was just always like, oh, man, last time I listened to this, I was back home or something like that. And it was always cool to be able to get that nostalgia feeling in a new place. And it made me feel so amazing to be able to bike through my neighborhood in Higashi, Osaka, and be able to feel like I was back home on Woodcliffe Drive in Texarkana, Texas. But um, I decided, y'all, I'm going to throw on one of my first albums ever to commemorate this trip. And the first album I ever actually physically bought was Me Against the World, Tupac Shakur. And yo, Tupac is an amazing artist me against the world is one of my favorite albums of his and i i just was vibing with it so much that day yo because i was like yo i'm gonna be up in here because it really did feel like it was me against the world while i was out there because i didn't really have too many people that looked like me even though i wasn't no 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 volatile like you know i don't like these people type stuff i definitely was like yo it's just gonna be me and i'm gonna handle my business while i'm here so i started biking 
and I was biking like Frank Ocean. <laughs> and the trip was actually pretty chill. It wasn't too many hills to it. I actually pulled up the G word maps and uh, mapped my way out beforehand. So I knew exactly kind of how I would get there. Um, the trip itself became so much easier for me as I took it. But this first trip, I, I might have gone down a few wrong alleyways and <laughs> might have dipped and took the scenic route when I shouldn't have. Just because... Uh, I didn't have proper cell phone service while I was in Japan. Uh, unluckily for me, I could not connect to my mobile data. So I had to use Wi-Fi everywhere I went. So you had you caught me stopping at different types of convenience stores <laughs> and trying to hook up to the Wi-Fi real quick, you know, trapping out the bandwidth, trying to get the right directions. Um, I eventually found out where I was going and got on the right track. But one time specifically while I was bumping Pac, um, I was going over this bridge and... All right, I'm not I'm not ignorant. I saw the the bike cop, but I wasn't really stunting the bike cop because it's just a Japanese bike cop. And I'm not trying to write him off as if he didn't have authority. It's just that up until this point, I had never really encountered a cop that was really even looking at me or concerned about me. They really just let people go about their business. But um, of course, you know, um, I'm jamming that park. And I, th- I think I was going the wrong way is the reason why I hit the Yui. But I might have hit like a, a legal Yui or something like that right behind the cop. And I know he saw me and he didn't really do anything. But like I felt like, OK, that was an that was an exchange of energy. And I kept biking thinking like, man, that's not that's not what I wanted to happen, even if I wouldn't do anything wrong. So I ended up hearing something coming up behind me. You know, something like biking and whatnot, like something saying like, hey, but I wasn't stunning him because I was on that park. Like, you know, <laughs> at the time I was listening to, you know, fuck the 5-0 because he asked me catch me if they could. I never let him catch me. Lost so many homies to this game, bang it. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm jamming. Like, I'm like, oh, shit. He's trying to slow me down. So I look to the right and this Japanese cop is biking me down. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm getting biked down by a cop. <laughs> I panicked in the moment, y'all. I didn't know what to do. The first thing I thought to do was like, yo, okay, I need to figure out an escape route because, you know, (laughs) when you when you're young, black in the South and you've dealt with the police, the first thing you're always thinking about, okay, is a way to survive the situation. And I know that's not the way you want to always look at it, but you have to look at the history of some people that have dealt with these types of people. So I'm like, dang, man, like this dude is really about to bite me down and and take me to jail. Listen to Pac. But um, I decided not to escape. I just decided to pull over. So I pulled over to the side and the officer, um, you know, he got out and then he, you know, he, he, <laughs> it's funny that I say he got out, but he just like stepped over and <laughs> he asked me if I knew Japanese. <laughs> and I was like, nah, buddy, I don't know no Japanese. So you're going to have to call your supervisor. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to work this out, fam. Um, and then he did something that I appreciate. He pulled out the G word translate. And began to attempt to relate to me to let me know why he was pulling me over. And um, he he or excuse me, biking me down. So Buddy was like, yo, hey, um, you know, you're listening to music a little too loud. Um, there's been bike thefts in this area and I want to check your bag. I'm like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I did too much research on Japanese law. I know what's going on here. And I know for a fact that if I don't let this man check my bag right now, I'm probably going to be detained for two weeks and I can't call nobody. I'm going to be sitting up there sad and I can't even get a soup cup. So I decided to comply, even though I didn't want to. 
I'm like, dang, man, this dude right here finna check my bag. And he is about to find absolutely nothing. <laughs> and he the whole entire time was like attempting to grab my bag without my consent. I was like, nah, like I was holding it from him because little did he know I had my cell phone out. <laughs> and when he saw my cell phone, he was like, no movie, no movie, no movie. I'm like, nah, man. <laughs> I got to record this. I got to record this. I'm like, no, I have to record. He said, no movie, no movie. So I, I put my phone in my pocket. I was like, it's gone. But I definitely was still recording audio. And so he he G word translated me to say, hey, everything's going to be OK. I have to check your bag here or, I, or if I don't check it here, I'll have to check it down at the station. And I knew that was like an intimidation factor to see what exactly I had on me. But I mean, this was my bike. I had the insurance information on me. Shout out to my boy at the dealership. And also, on top of that, I wouldn't do anything wrong in the first place. Buddy was just shaking me down. So he went about checking my bag. He took everything out. He realized there was nothing going on. He then apologized. And he asked me, where are you headed? And then when he asked me where I was headed, it's a dink because I'm over here looking up and I see the five-story pagoda. In the distance, almost like an oasis. And if I could just touch the hem of the pagoda, I'd be safe. And I'm like, yo, I'm headed to Tenoji Temple. And he was like, you know what? I want to help you get there. And I was like hesitant because I'm like, nah, bro, I don't need no police escort. But he explained to me, he's like, yo, there are a lot of bike thieves in this area. And I want to make sure that you safely get there so nobody else bothers you. And I was just like, well, if I have the right information... Um, or, uh, sir, why would I need you around? And he was just like, well, you know what? Here's the thing. If you ever get stopped again while you're here, tell them you know me and you'll be fine. And I come to find out that this guy is a lieutenant. And me and him have just had a conversation. He's asking me who I'm listening to. I tell him that this is Tupac Shakur. And he knows who Tupac is. But then again, who doesn't know who Tupac is? So then he's like, you know what? Will you allow me to escort you even though I know you don't want me to? I'm like, sure, man. So me and this guy now are riding down the street to Tenoji Temple listening to Tupac Shakur. (laughs) 